0: You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. This hour we're going to be talking about excellent African and diasporic writing for 2018 and just hanging out with one of your favorite writers and one of our most prolific as as well as one of our continent's best. Not just prolific because sometimes prolific is just a synonym for ish. Can't stop talking or writing, so she's both prolific but also excellent. And of course, I'm talking about the amazing and generous and kind Zukiswa Waner who's going to be joining me right now until noon. If you want to say how's it, shout out, ask her questions. O double one double eight three zero seven zero two in Johannesburg, and in Cape Town, O two one double four six O five six seven Zukiiswa or Soweto, as I prefer calling you. Mm-hmm. Hello. I can't do that. How are you doing, you yes? I'm good, my darling. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you. And hi, 702 blacks who are listening.
0: <laughs> you are officially one of them yourself. I don't know what yes, that's going to do I to am. your invitations to certain, um, certain literary functions now that you're a 702 black. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me, Eusebius. For the first half of this conversation, I'm going to be mostly guided by you, far be it from me as a man, to interrupt your expertise with my manly confidence. So how are we going to do this? I am amazed, but I guess because you've been a judge on so many panels, you know how the importance of getting on with picking shortlists. Uh, You read ferociously, and um, I was amazed that you were happy uh, to keep yourself to three or four reads that you will speak to. How did you go about picking them?
1: Well, I I, I selected books that really stuck with me. I remember I read um, a Cynthia Jealous' um, book already in May, and up until today I still remembered everything that I read about it. So it was the books that were memorable to me, that I could remember the storylines, that um, I could remember the conversations that sparked something in me that I thought, okay, these are the ones that I'm selecting. Mm, Okay. Which one are you going to start with? Okay. This is a bit difficult. Um, Shall we start with the ones with a purpose? Because I know you enjoyed it as much as I did.
0: I I absolutely did. Go ahead. Give us a pricey and tell us why you picked it and why are you still remembering it?
1: I think what I remember about it so much is is the idea of black text, really. <laughs> you know, it was because it's something that we've been talking about quite a bit. Uh, I was talking about it with a mutual friend of ours, Nick, hmm. and um, and 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 you know, Annale, so you know, she pretty much gives up her dreams and ambitions so that she could be there for the family. Even Fikile, her late sister, who, you know, were introduced to right at the beginning of the book, has also done that so that she can support her family because um, the mother has had a breakdown, you know. Uh, But there are also, like, all these different layers to the book, such as how we treat, um, um, how we talk about mental health, you know, Mm. and how we talk about um, alcoholism Mm. and... um, uh, such important issues as as funerals,
0: oh, I found amazing in terms of the timeline of the book and when I, I interviewed
1: like the way that it happened in one week exactly and, and she was
0: she was amused at my and and my sort of academic pretensions around the question of form. And and you know that Nick Muslong in particular, I love it when academics fawn over him at literary events because as a writer, he just gets on with telling stories. And and Nozizwe uh, did the same, but of course the job of different people in the literary landscape is that we each have roles. And so as a critic, and you are both a critic and an author, we look at things like form. There is something incredible about being able to write a novel this tightly that most of it takes place within one week, even if there are flashbacks in time. What did you make of that? Because that's a a technique that's that's both popular but easy to get wrong.
1: Absolutely. And I thought I should handle it very, very well. Uh, the way that we were able to, to, to realize that it was at this moment in time, from the time that Annele, from the time that Fikile dies up until the funeral, but so much happens in between. You get introduced to everything and right up until the brother Mbuso comes back home, we also get to know who he is and yes. everything that has affected him and of course um, I remember one uh, book club that I attended that discussed this particular book and um, I, I, I wanted to ask you what you what you thought of it remember when the mother is dropped home mm. by the by the madam <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I've always had you you know of course that I've always had a fascination um with, with the, the idea of <laughs> domestic workers
0: and the madams. Yes. So so what what did you make of it? I found it fascinating because the madam was a best white in the sense that on the one hand she's getting rid of this worker that had one drink too many or whatever her other sins were at work. And on the other hand, and then there's the irritating maternalism. Uh, don't give this money to your mom. Don't tell your mom we're giving you this extra bit, you know, and, and take care of the family, she says to the eldest as she drops the mom off. But, but at the same time, there is, and I suppose if you're unkind, you can call it charity, which is not the same as giving the land back. But there's also kind of you, humanity there. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, I guess I've seen worse madams. What did you, what did you make of it?
1: It was it was very interesting because you know when I, when I initially read it I thought well you know okay maybe maybe it can be explained because she found her child sitting there while this this woman had passed out and it wasn't the first time that it had happened yeah um, so perhaps um, there there were certain justifications to it but then of course during this book club then there was this other angle that I hadn't seen of. People were not quite happy with that, though. Like, well, you know, how could she just do that? But then I was thinking, and what was she supposed to do then? You know, I mean, if 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 it had been you and you were an employer, you know, what would what would what would you do in that situation? So yeah, that's right. that that dynamics that are that are pinned down obviously by the idea of race hmm. in South Africa.
0: Um, I want to ask you this question before we move on to the next title. The book centrally deals, obviously, with death and dying, not just death itself and not just funerals, and with cancer in particular. Um, yeah. The word cancer is, for me, ev- even scarier than the word AIDS, just at a vit- visceral level. Absolutely. And and one thing I couldn't put my finger on, and I wonder as a critic whether you managed to do so, Zoukiswa, is... Why this is a book that both of us would recommend? Someone can take to the beach, because it's not morbid, even though it deals with some tough existential questions.
1: I think, I think for me, what this book particularly did was, um, I, I've, I've had the misfortune of looking after somebody who had a terminal illness, and what 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 Anale does very much so is is to highlight. Uh, what we may not realize sometimes the relief that uh, mm-hmm. the nurse of a person with a terminal illness actually undergoes when the person finally goes the stress that that happens that mm-hmm. we never really talk about because it is considered terrible to think about and talk about and and she does it so gently and and, and so carefully too so um, I I like that she explored that very very real thing absolutely where, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, that's a book. I I assume the fact that it made your your list of four for this discussion is a book that you highly recommend people go and buy.
1: Absolutely. Please go and buy this book uh, for your holiday reads. Uh, Buy it for your friends. Buy it for birthdays. Buy this book.
0: Absolutely. Now, one of the nice things about having friends who read and read overlapping stuff as oneself but different stuff as well is that I can shut up and enjoy listening to you talk about people that I haven't yet discovered and you're gonna then have to guide me the other three titles I haven't read oh. any of them uh, choose the one that you think just randomly that you think I in particular must go and buy this afternoon
1: okay all right so I really think that you should go and buy Nicole Dennis Burns uh here comes the sun mm. It's um, it's I it's a debut novel, but it was absolutely stunning. I read it and I thought, wow, it's uh, it's set in Jamaica in Montego Bay, and it's about this family of women. Oh. Uh, so the older sister, so it's mother, and there's a grandmother who's mute. She she's a presence, but she never speaks from the time that her son goes to America. Uh, so she 's just a looming presence, but not not really there and uh so this family of um three I'm gonna, i 'm not going i promise i 'm not going to give any spoilers away mm. this family of four the oldest sister is working at a hotel and she can't put her younger school through private school her younger sister through private school because she wants her to get out of poverty mm. you know uh and 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 she 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 does it all she uh and she goes into the oldest trade in the book. Uh, but despite doing extras uh from her work in the hotel, she is really in love with this one woman hmm. and has been in love with her for a very long time. And this is particularly difficult because they stay in a small community that is very um homophobic.
0: Extremely, yeah.
1: Yes. And so uh this particular woman that she's in love with uh is Considered the devil, but by, by everybody in the community, she finds uh, dead dogs put in her yard, you know, all sorts of harassment. Mm. But this woman is very in love with her. So in order to see her, you know, she she goes she goes she, she has to go like in the middle of the night and gets dropped somewhere. And then she walks and all that stuff. And uh, of course, her mother is uh, believes that she's going to see a man. So she's happy about that. Um so it's 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 the dynamics of this particular book but what also does is later on this woman sees that she can't protect her younger sister and a secret is revealed that ends up messing up the whole community hmm. and uh, and there's also the underlying theme of of the way capitalism has broken Certain societies, and we've seen it uh, all over the world, really, in South Africa, in in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, in Kenya, here, and and a lot of other places. Mm. And essentially, what happens is people, um, a government, a, a government, somebody, somebody gives a tender to to some investors, and suddenly people in a in a community have to be removed, you know. And, and so she deals with that very cleverly and beautifully.
0: One of the reviews I'd seen of the book as I was just uh, doing a desktop glance at some of the titles you sent me that you want to talk about said that the book also apparently um, shatters the idea of Montego Bay as a kind of idyllic, pristine paradise where (laughs) middle-class American and European women perhaps go to get their groove back. Um, and, And I thought that's quite interesting. And that reminded me of, of some novel set in Cape Town where mm. sometimes you have the outsiders brochured version of Cape Town, but there is often an incredible range I'm, I'm of alive. stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And she does that mm. so very well.
0: So because what, um, what about the style? So so the themes are interesting. Um is it ooh. is it beautifully written? Is it well written? I saw one oh, critic she, 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 referring to oh, it as a tender oh. hymn.
1: Yes, and uh, Nicole Dennis-Benn writes writes absolutely beautifully. Uh, it's it's like at every at every turn when you turn the page, the languages the language is is so beautiful. And then she you know she she puts in. Uh, quite a bit of Jamaican Patois, but you never get lost in it, Mm. you know. She does it so well that you're like, oh, wow, you know. Uh, I actually understand what what she's saying, although I don't have much understanding of Jamaican Patois. So Mm. I absolutely love the way that she did that and the way she reels you in as a reader. You know, I remember right up until the end, I just, I read it over over two days, but I, I kept going back to it and saying, okay, this is a beautiful sentence. Let me read again. Hmm. So yeah, um, Nicole
0: Dennis Ben. It, okay. it 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 won the Lambda, by the way, as mm. well. Please. I did not know that. I will definitely go and buy it. That is stunning. If yeah. you've just tuned in, you are listening to author Zuki Swa talking to us about her best reads from the continent and the diaspora for 2018. Um, our own. No, these were jealous. The ones with a purpose made it onto Zukiswa's list. And then the second book that we have spoken about is Nicole Dennis Ben's Here Comes the Sun. Eusebius MacKaiser. Eusebius MacKaiser. On 702 at Cape Talk. By the way, I saw you tagging Nicole on Facebook ahead of this conversation. Is there anyone you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe just like three or four people. <laughs> Okay, now the other two books have both got stunning titles like like these two. I, I mean, these four books, by the way, I think could also have featured in a discussion just around really stunning and attractive book titles as well. Which of the two remaining ones shall we start with?
1: Right. Okay, let's start with "Silence of My Mother's Tongue" by Suleiman Adonia.
0: Hmm.
1: He is a writer from Eritrea and uh i think it's the second title that was published by indigo press which was set up by um um uh ella alfri wakatama you know who's who'd been a grant editor for a long time um so hmm. yeah so this book is set in a in a in a camp in a, in a in a refugee camp and um silence is my mother tongue uh what has happened is a family, an Eritrean family has gone into a, into, into a refugee camp, and there's a, there's a brother and a sister. And what I loved about it is how he dealt so, so delicately and so beautifully with, 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 with the woman character. Because uh, men are generally accused of not being able to write women very well and uh he he he's, he just highlights like no this is that that's a nonsense view <laughs> he does it so well um the main character is uh called Saba and uh you know she she she's got a brother who is deaf but he's very beautiful hmm. you can actually read his beauty from from the page and what happens is men are attracted to him uh but she is also very much attracted. There's a certain attraction to a brother that's not that's not it's it's not it's not wrong it's not but you know people in the neighborhood are uncomfortable with how close they are because of traditionalism and mm. all those other things yeah so he is it's, it's 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 sensuous it's provocative it um looks at um you know this Saba gets into trouble one time because uh, they believe the community believe that she has to be stoned because she is giving of herself so liberally. Huh. But then they get surprised because she is married. And when she got married, her and her brother went to stay with, with her husband. You know, this was one of the things that she decided, that the, uh, her and her husband decided on. But that's because the husband is attracted to the brother.
0: Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. I do care. <laughs> Inside a refugee camp as well. Because the one thing that attracted me <laughs> to the prairie of this story, and I want you to speak to this a little bit, is in most of our minds, if we are honest, because of the way in which refugee life is reported on and written about academically, is that refugee camps are not places we associate with the everyday and with community, We anthropologize them and render them objects of pity.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's part of the problem with, um, you know, what, what Suleiman does is he also highlights the relation with the international organizations that are working in this refugee camp. And they are very responsible for giving that anthropological perspective of this community while the people in the community itself are going on and living their life. Sabah, for instance, was a very brilliant student, and all she has wanted to do was be a doctor. So uh, she constantly keeps going to the offices of the international organization that's in charge of this particular refugee camp. And she keeps saying, listen, I need, uh, when are you building a school? When are you building a school? When are you building a school? And to them, this is not something very important. They say, well, you know, you're far away from war. You've Mm. got a." You've got some, You've got a bit of food, and um, you've got this and this and this, and 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 it leads to to a whole lot of things. Mm. One of Sam's best friends is is fighting on the front in uh, in Eritrea, you know, with in the battle with Ethiopia. Uh, her mother is fighting on the front, and they have this fantasy about how the two uh, the she will escape to go and become a doctor, and the other one will escape to go and become a, a fighter like her mother. You know, so that dreams that a lot of people tend not to think about when they think about refugee camps and um and 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 it was beautiful to see that he humanizes that and I think part of the reason is that Suleiman was a refugee himself and he escaped um at some point in time. I understand he escaped via Sudan. Hmm. and then into Saudi Arabia and then later on London so now i think he's in um
0: belgium absolutely stunning so who would have thought so essentially there are men of the south in refugee camps as well indeed <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess (laughs) there's another one. (laughs) Silence is my mother tongue, Suleiman Adonia. I mean, he's a stunning, stunning story. So I can imagine all of them being feature length films. We have time for your fourth one. What is the last one?
1: Yay. The last one is House of Stone by Novo Yorosa Juma. It's her second book, but the first one was... Um kind of a collection uh, co- interconnected collection of short stories, so this is like a first full length novel uh in my opinion it 's a story that 's narrated it talks about something that is an open secret to zimbabweans uh but not often talked about in polite company and that 's the Gukurahundi, Wundi, which hmm. happened in the in the eighties and um Essentially it begins with a with a young man who's gone missing and um the guy who, who who lodges in the in the cottage uh has gone with him and they've gone to some uh militant rally mm. uh, where they've decided that they want to secede from from Zimbabwe
0: mm.
1: because uh Zimbabwe, the Zimbabwean government refuses to uh, acknowledge the wrongdoings and how many people were killed during um, during uh, Wundi, and they have decided to ignore any reparations and talk of reparations or anything like that, or even give really public apologies on way forward. Mm. And, and so the, the, the narrator is called Zamani, and... Uh what's what's beautiful about Zamani is what's interesting about Zamani is he's an unreliable narrator because um initially you think, oh wow, okay, this guy, but then even right from the beginning, you uh, you actually realize that he has decided that Bukosi, the boy who has disappeared, he wants his parents as his own. Huh. So yeah. So he's gonna be he's gonna be the new child and he doesn't want Bukosi to come back. But you know, somehow he draws you in as as the narration goes on because you think you keep thinking, Bukosi's gonna be found, maybe he's gonna turn up, what's gonna happen. And, and 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 as the story unravels, as the plot unravels on whether Bukosi is coming, he also seduces the parents, uh Mama Agnes, who is Bukosi's mom, and uh the dad, and he and he seduces them. The dad is an alcoholic again, that comes up. And uh, he's an alcoholic based on the torture that he's experienced in his life from the history of the House of Stone. You know, he used to be in exile uh, as a combatant, although he never saw any, 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 any actual fighting. But as we, who grew up in exile, uh, you know, mm-hmm. know everybody who, everybody who came from exile saw war. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or so we say. What, was, was it was it then? Uh, just before we take a headlines break, was it an, was it a, a good read, an easy read, or just worthwhile but not easy? I came across one of the most obscure book review descriptions I've seen in a long time about this book, uh, Iswa. I want to read it for you the, the first couple okay. of sentences, and this is from the Guardian that had this to say about the book: This Zimbabwean debut is not an easy book to describe. To call it clever or ambitious is to do it a disservice. It is both, but also more than that, it is definitely not faultless, but it is large enough and unusual enough to shrug off its defects and still leave the reader impressed. Right. What,
1: what is that review saying?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it sort of says I don't know that you it makes it seem as if the book is has got many allusions to clever things, but maybe not not an easy, clear, clear read. Uh, for you, well, what, what, I, what do you what did you think of it stylistically?
1: Stylistically, I actually really enjoyed it, and part of the reason I enjoyed it was because the very idea of um, Zamani. Zamani is this. Of zamani not being not being a reliable narrator, I thought stylistically that actually worked very well mm. and uh maybe in 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 all fairness because I have a bit of an insider view for on Zimbabwean history, it was also things that I was familiar with. Mm. So there was a certain nudge, nudge, wink, wink to certain things okay. uh, that she said. You know, when, when she makes a reference to, to Black Jesus, for instance, mm. who uh, is a character who was supposed to be really terrifying to everybody during yes. uh, Bukhra Wundi. Yes. Uh, Black Jesus still exists. Uh, he's a minister in the current Zimbabwean government. Mm. Uh, so this was something that was, I was thinking, wow, this is such such a brave book to have been written. But beyond the bravery of it, it's also really written in a very lovely way. In fact, I remember sending notes to her while I was reading it about the things that I totally enjoyed about it and what I thought absolutely worked.
0: Mm. And uh,
1: yeah, Stunning. so
0: um, yeah. Okay, lovely. So if you if you've, you want to get all of them down, the titles of the four stunning African literature books for 2018 that I have just been discussing um, are The Ones With a Purpose, Nozizwe Jealous, uh, Suleiman Adonia's Silence is My Mother Tongue, Nicole dennis Benn's Here Comes the Sun, and Novuya Chuma's House of Stone, and all of them absolutely amazing. But I now, Zakuza, to just stay on hold for us. And then in the second half of this conversation, I'm going to interview her about her travel memoir, Hardly Working, as well as her first forays into publishing. And I read one of the stories. Um, she's given me a copy uh, to give... Uh, to my nephew, and it's a delightful read, and we're going to be talking about that. If you've read Hardly Working, you've got questions for Zuki If you just want to do a shout out, any of her other amazing works, she's got six public pu- published works. Give us a call, and you can engage her between now and noon on o double one double eight three zero seven zero two, and in Cape Town on o two one double four six o five six seven. It's twenty eight minutes before noon. Eusebius McKeyser Eusebius McKeyser On 702 at Cape Talk 22 minutes before noon We're hanging out with one of the continent's best authors this hour Zuki Wanner is still with me If you want to have a chat to her, ask a question Particularly about her latest work Which we'll talk about now hardly working Remember the lines are open zukisa first and foremost We haven't chatted, uh, at least not on radio Since this work come out um, Congratulations
1: Thank you very
0: much, Eusebius. I want to talk about the idea of a travel memoir and travel writing. It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult, not as easy as it seems, and an important starting point for you, uh, why you set out to write Hardly Working. I was sharing this with uh, my colleague, Bongani Bingwa, very briefly this morning on his show, on 702 Breakfast, is the importance of traveling Um, particularly traveling the continent specifically, as an antidote to Western curricula that your son is subjected to that often render Africa invisible. And one of the ways to plug the gap you've said in this book is not to send your kid on some European tour when they already experience Europe in the classroom, but to give them the gift of traveling. Uh, Yes, Eusebius, and uh, I
1: think... Too often people assume that traveling is very expensive. But um, as uh, you probably saw while going through that book, um, it, it's possible if you are willing to take time out and, um, you know, take, take time out to do it on quite a low budget.
0: Well, let's read from it's it because, because you did exactly that, including finding yourself on lorries and all sorts of things. Uh, she, writes, yes. <laughs> she writes on page 50 uh, the following, At the sound of the lorry, even Kwame, who had been softly snoring while fast asleep, became alert. If there was an Olympic medal for waking up quickly, jumping out of one lorry and flagging down another, Kwame, Chasa and I would undoubtedly have been the joint gold winners. Well, okay, maybe I would have won gold since I was on the side of the door closest to the road, followed closely by Kwame on silver and no national anthem on the podium for the Kenyan. Just a bronze. This one was much larger than the lorry we had been traveling in, a 15-tonne packed to the brim with maize bags. And a couple of paragraphs later, um, Zucasar writes, We had all been prepared to pay so much more just to leave the village, yet here we were now negotiating with our rescuers for 500 kwacha. I have no idea why the others were doing it. Me? I think the West and East African friends I have influenced me to try and negotiate for everything even when there's no need to do so. There I was arguing strongly against paying less than 70 US cents when an hour before I would have readily given away all the clothes to get a ride to the next town. The irony was not lost in both Kwame and Chasa, and all three of us started laughing. That said, we who argued must have sounded convincing because we ended up paying the lesser amount." And so you go on. Now, I thought this was really, really fascinating, precisely because of the point you've just flagged. Travelling Mm. does not have to break the bank, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Also, you read that so very well that I almost want to buy the book myself.
0: Well, it is the writing. I mean, it is incredibly, incredibly pacey. You go through several African countries, and the experience are just absolutely amazing. And I, I was toying this morning because I knew we were going to have little time with whether to simply read excerpts to make you shut up and me not comment didactically so that people can go buy the book. But I think they'll do it anyway, and I've seen even exclusive books have it well-stocked now. Uh, I'm not sure if they're scared of you, but your books are now well-stocked. And so this book <laughs> This book is available nationwide, so maybe I will allow myself to ask one of the two uh, slightly more didactic questions I did have in mind. I wanted to know what it was like to write travel, um, especially when friends of ours like Sichler do it so incredibly well. And there is a challenge here, isn't there? The the if you if you get it either horribly wrong, which you didn't, or pedestrian, which you didn't the writing can end up just being a litany of facts about the itinerary so how do, how does one go about constructing this
1: you know what i i actually don't know how one goes about it because i didn't i didn't intend to write a travel memoir what what actually happened is i just intended to travel okay. and then uh when i when i was in um when i was in europe doing my fellowship i then got into a space where i thought okay Maybe I should um you know and, and I had this novel that I that I wanted to do that I that I'm still working on. Uh and suddenly I just I, I started writing this little bit and a little bit and I thought, well, this is fascinating. Let me write some more of it. So I, I didn't really go about planning to write it. And it's not really typically your 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 typical travel memoir because you don't get to know, for instance, um how much the price of this and this is. I don't mention, you know, I do mention in certain spaces, but not always. You know, I, I, I mentioned rather meeting the people and uh, what that experience is like and and the foods and, you know, just the experience of actually meeting people and and engaging.
0: Well, it's not Mm -hmm. meant to be the Lonely Planet, and in fact you scoff at an American (laughs) academic who proudly declares that he's about to go to a restaurant on the basis of a Lonely Planet guide. So it certainly isn't there. But the reason I asked the the construct question is that, that, that I thought to myself, I guess you've answered it now, but seeing as the question is on the list before me, I'll put it to you anyway. Whether one experiences a city and a country... Differently, when you intend to write about it, and this is something I should ask. I suppose Nick Mishlonga and, and Sishle Kumale in particular. Uh, They'll yes. probably be able to you know what I mean? Because, because I find, for example, my experience of places, given that I'm a talk show host, suddenly I sometimes experience them as a producer as opposed to just in J and then afterwards thinking what I can do with my experiences. And so, I wonder if you had to, I suppose, write travel memoir again. Uh, whether you think setting out to write it colours how you experience a place or whether you just experience the world and then it comes to you that you should write what you already experienced.
1: It, it probably would colour the way I would write it. I, I would uh, start looking at the typical things that a travel memoir <laughs> should have. And uh, so I uh, I might end up not not just engaging with the experience and, yes. and just sucking it in and... Um, you know, worrying more about oh, uh, mm. does does this bus leave in time? Although of course I did mention that, and and most of the buses were leaving on time. Yes. Uh Everywhere that I travelled. Mm. But 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 yeah, you know, I, I probably would do it quite differently if I if I had to.
0: Let's read I another. I don't yeah, let, I have to. I want to read another excerpt. This is from Out of Africa, and this is an encounter. Uh, which is an important theme I know in your life in general from being your friend. Encounters with immigration officials is a key part of (laughs) traveling, right? (laughs) So so Zucusa writes the following in an exchange with one of these beasts. Where are you going? She asked. Copenhagen, I replied, pointing out the name of the airport on the printout of my ticket that she held in her hand. And where's your return ticket? I took my phone from my bag, went to my email and showed her the return ticket. She wanted to know why I was travelling to Antwerp when I stay in Nairobi. I replied with a suitably shocked tone of voice. I'm here for writerism, madam. Surely you read and you know about writerism? No, I didn't really say that, although I dream of a time when I can be able to say that about literature events wherever I travel. Instead, I timidly explained that i had come to some literary event And as I was expected in Denmark by a certain date, I thought it prudent to travel directly from there to Copenhagen rather than go to Nairobi and leave in the evening. She was not convinced. I would have thought that as a Ugandan civil servant, she would want to get rid of any suspicious being who is not a Ugandan passport holder. But the way she was debating with me, you would swear she was a paid employee of the Danish government. Although she could have easily checked that I was not suspicious by checking my fingerprints, she walked away to some back office with my passport in hand to verify that I was not a criminal. After realizing that I was indeed not a wanted criminal, she went on to question, and why are you flying to Lagos instead of to Nairobi when you return? So I chuckled I chuckled when I read this because the book opens with a delay to the start of your journey. Just speak to me a little bit about... The frustration and the hilarity that is the bureaucracy of dealing with immigration while traveling.
1: Well, you know, it's. Um, I think as, as South Africans uh, and anyone traveling on a South African passport, continentally, we're actually quite privileged. But still, the frustration happens uh, because my partner has a Kenyan passport, so he had to deal with me going going to to um, the. The visa place uh, VFS and saying to them, well, you know what? Uh, so they say to me, oh, you need to he uh, needs to uh, get a get an invitation letter from from uh, s- somebody in South Africa, and I said, listen, someone who's resident, African. yes, exactly. And, and I said, listen, I'm South African. Uh, when you go to your village, do you need your husband to get? a visa, <laughs> an invitation letter, you know, from somebody in your village? Or do you just go with them? You know, so so eventually they were like, oh, okay. And and, and I had to call somebody, and, and I hate doing this as well, yes. but I had then to call somebody at, at South African High Commission and uh, at the consulate and say, okay, listen, I am having this problem. What do I need to do? But I shouldn't have to do that, you know? So uh, they you said no. You did more the-
0: than that, by the way. Not only did you... Call someone in low places. You also did the other thing that us writers and journalists love to do. You threatened. Yes. You threatened to describe I them.
1: Sa- I said, "I'll write about it." <laughs> 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 and at that time, I had a column in uh, in, uh, in, in 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 Kenya's Daily, uh, in Saturday Nation, which is which is a weekly, but um, it's the biggest newspaper in the country. So I said, "Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really going to write about this. This is terrible." And, of course, at that point in time, they accepted reluctantly the papers, and, and there was really nothing wrong. But but equally, I had a problem. Then he got his passport, and that was quite fine. Maybe, like, but it, it delayed us. But then the delay, the eventual delay came from me because I was waiting for my passport from the British, and he had taken forever, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, And I had to write an email. (laughs) I had to write an email. Corrections. Okay,
0: so you had to write a strongly worded email.
1: Yes, I did. (laughs) I I still have it, by the way, because I captured it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a tweet from one of the readers who loved the book. Neo says, I absolutely loved Hardly Working, inspired even more to travel the continent. Dearest Kwame, he was my favorite throughout the entire book. Favorite part for me? the security guards at the border gate who were excited about her being an author and then buying her books. So not everyone is bad between borders.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, And then when I was coming back from Poland, of course, there was that uh, immigration official who was very excited to have a South African passport in his hand, and he said it was the first South African passport he had ever stamped. And he was like, Oh my God, can I hug you? And I said, Yes, sure. And he's like, Mandela
0: <laughs> I <laughs> and hope I said, you yeah, Mandela. Yeah, and, and not <laughs> remember to not be unkind and say that Mandela is no more. I'm gonna ask you a final question, then we'll we'll leave it here and everyone must go and buy hardly working. Like I said um, Zukas and I and other authors, local authors, we have each other's back. You don't want to seem self-indulgent and look for your own books. So the next best thing is to make sure when you go into bookstores, you can at least spot copies of your friends' books. And Hardly Working is available nationwide. So go get a copy this afternoon. It's a wonderful holiday read, and it will accompany you on your own travels. I want to ask you a question just around time. You know, one thing that fascinates me and um, – literary critics will pause over this with your book and books of this genre is the conundrum of being fully present in one place but you are going somewhere so what kind of traveler are you and 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 uh, you know what i mean so you're constantly knowing you're going from a to b you hear just overnight there's some things you can't do you cut your losses a book reading get cancelled here another one happens there other things fall off so, so traveling is—it's it, it, weird and wonderful. You've got to be and want to be fully present in that particular place, that particular company that you've just met. But at the same time, you're constantly moving forward.
1: I, I, I think part of the reason why every time I come home at the end of any of my trips and I'm exo- extremely exhausted and I need to sleep for at least two days is because I, I just, I just draw my, myself in the space. I enjoy it. Mm. I. Make sure if if people say, hey, let's do something, you know, and that three different people at three different hours, I was like, okay, I've got this and I'll reschedule you accordingly and I'll do the stuff. Yes. Uh, so I just absolutely immerse myself in space, mm. in
0: the space that I'm in. Okay, so that's one is Hardly Working A travel memoir of sorts, go get a copy. We're gonna take a break, and then in the four or five minutes left, we're gonna be talking about the first book that she has published as publisher, and it is a wonderful book for adults and children alike with beautiful illustrations and more about that on the other side of this. Eusebius Macaiza. Eusebius Macaiser on 702 at Cape Talk. That year the rains did not come. The nearby river dried up. Her crops dried up, her cow died from hunger. Mandlovu and her neighbors shared the meat because they were so, so hungry. But soon that meat finished too. They started walking longer and longer distances in search of leaves and roots to cook just to keep up their strength. Mandlovu and her neighbors wanted to go and consult Mojaji, the rain queen, but she lived far away and they were too hungry to embark on such a long journey. One day, Mandlovi walked further than she normally walked in search of food. She got to a patch that was full of large, delicious-looking mushrooms. The mushroom patch was so large that she could not see the edge of it. Just one of these, she thought, would feed her and Changa for the day. She could return the next day with her neighbours, and they too could get some to feed their families. As she was about to pluck out a mushroom, she was surprised to hear a voice. Wait, do not touch that mushroom! Mandlova was scared. Who is that? She stuttered, looking around her and seeing no one. Something that cast a shadow as big as a neem tree suddenly stood in front of her, except it was not one. It was a giant mushroom. I am Sankara, the giant mushroom said, standing upright. I am the leader of the mushroom country. Oh, I love you, darling. You even write write beautiful uh, stories for kids and adults alike because adults should be children too. And that is just one of the stories in this book. And this one is The Gift of the Mushroom Country by Sua herself. In the minute that is left, um, tell us about Story, 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 Come, the first book that you've published. And um, who this collection, what is in this collection, who it's aimed at. Well done and congratulations for it.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Eusebius. Uh, that story and the story behind uh, the story before it are bonus, quest- uh, bonus stories done by the editor and myself as the publisher. The book is um, was, you know, sh- she did a call out. The editor did a call out and uh, people submitted stories from all over the continent. Uh, hundred stories were submitted, reimagined, uh, and from the hundred, ten were selected for the anthology. So we've got Uh, 10 stories plus the two bonus. Uh, And uh, they are from 12 writers from 12 African countries, from eight African countries. And um, the age group is, as far as I'm concerned, five to 500.
0: I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And it's entitled Story, Story, Story Come. How can people get hold of it?
1: People can get hold of it. I think there are a few, uh, there are some bookshops in South Africa that have it. I know Bridge Books has some copies. I know uh, Avantu Bookstore has some copies. I know um, uh, Nongkulako afro Afroculture has some copies and they deliver as well. Okay. I know uh, Bobo has some copies. So there are, there are quite a few places that are available. Equally important is that uh, one of the things that I've done is it's I've always thought that for, for children's stories, it's important for as many children to get access to them as possible. So Story, Story, com, Story, Come is going to come. come. Uh, the Kosa translation has been done by our mutual friends, Pio Mahala yeah, and yeah. Mandam Machumza. Mm. And um, it's, uh, there's also a Shona translation, and that should be available by the end of January when everybody has money.
0: Okay, so what we'll do is we'll revisit it. We'll give it a full one-hour punt. We'll get a P-O-N, and we'll do it in those languages as well. But congratulations. And um, and beautiful that. writing deals with adult themes, including bravery, hard work, friendship, um uh, problematic men, but in a way that is fun, and you can start off the kids' young learning uh, through the magic of riddles, songs, and myths, and legends. So, Kiswa, thanks so much for your generosity and all the best with your work.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Eusebius. Have a happy holiday.